Hello, listeners, and welcome to episode number 250 of the Spoiler Alert podcast, brought to you by MovieOutsiders.com. This is Mike. I'm here with Danny, and tonight we are celebrating our 250th episode by reviewing... Hell yeah, we are! You're damn right. We're reviewing Jordan Peele's uh, latest directorial effort slash screenwriting slash producing movie... Uh, Danny, how are you doing tonight? <laughs> I'm doing great. I feel like this episode, like, you started that with such excitement and passion <laughs> and energy, and by the end, you were just fading into I'm tired. mumbling. I'm, I'm you tired. Just, I, 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 you just cashed in. It doesn't to, bode well for the episode. We're going to have to push through this one. I'm, I'm a little bit I feel tired. like you need to, like, like shotgun a Red Bull and like run around the block <laughs> and then come back and try that again. I I, no? think we, I think we might need to do that. This is kind of an odd movie for us to be celebrating our 250th episode with, right? Like it's just, it's just a recent release. I I would have thought we'd have picked like Citizen Kane or Vertigo or or something like that for number 250. Gigi, yeah, Gigi, our best picture yeah. winner. Yeah, right, yeah. No, but this is a big movie. I mean, this is a movie uh, came out guns blazing. It's one we were both very excited to discuss. For Get sure. Out was at the top of our respective uh, best lists a few years ago. We both enjoy Key and Peele. I mean, a lot of things going for it. And man, right out of the gates, this movie crushes its opening weekend. Yeah. Huge records. In fact, it is second only to Avatar for the largest live-action original film opening of all time. That's amazing. That's, that's amazing. That's incredible. Yeah, that's that's fantastic. Good for I mean, Jordan I'm sure Peele. There's, yes, great for Jordan Peele. I mean, this guy is a brand, right? I mean, he you put writer-director Jordan Peele, it opens to $70-plus million. Yeah, yeah. That, amazing. That, so, so off to a, a huge start here, for sure. Fantastic start. And a host of other records, right? Largest, you know, one of the largest horror movie openings, one of the largest R-rated openings, the largest film uh, opening ever to be uh, fronted by an African-American female. I mean, there's just box office record after box office record, and we're like 11 days into its run. And this movie is coming out right about the same time of the calendar year that Get Out had been theatrically released, right? Wasn't it like uh, Get Out was February? February? I think. Yeah, okay, yeah. so close, close to. I I love that he livens up the dead zone. I hate this time of year oh, for movies. Dead zone is so rough. And it's, it's really a push to get through this. And Get Out was awesome. And I think that this movie is clearly doing quite well. Also, it's doing very well. Let's also give a shout out though to the marketing team behind this movie. The trailer for this movie is one of the creepiest. Yeah. And the composer for this film did a fantastic job. The music uh, that's featured in the trailer is so disturbing and matches the uh, haunting the weird visuals. Yeah. 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 Man, this Agreed. is just... Agreed. Uh, like, anticipation was was high yes. for this one. Yes, absolutely. For me and clearly by the rest of the movie going public. So despite the fact that I'm super tired and, and trailed off during And you don't care that right? this is episode 250 and you hate movies. Yep. <laughs> no, it, you got my balloons. You got my cake that I sent to your house. I, I got the nude singing telegram, which I thought was a little over the top, but yeah, he was a fine guy. He was a... Interesting uh, character. It, these these episodes are always a little bit tricky for me because this has been a couple weeks since I saw it. I, I got to see this movie 
uh, as a preview oh, a yeah. couple of weeks ago uh, before it was actually released. So th- these are always a little bit tricky to uh, cobble together all of preview. What I, to say. I mean, South by Southwest premiere sitting next to Jordan Peele. Right, right. It's yes, pretty big exactly. deal. Yeah, yeah. 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 I'll, I'll yeah. Uh, we'll release the notes of my interview with him later. But but we <laughs> should we should get into this one with a plot recap, right? Let's do that. Right. Let's do that. I'll do a plot recap. I'll try to keep it tight. Uh, this is spoiler alert, so we will be discussing spoilers, but I'm not going to go like scene by scene. So just know that the movie opens in the 80s, and there's a, a, a young lady uh, named Adelaide who's on vacation or uh, spending some time in Santa Cruz, California at the beach with her parents. And uh, during the evening, she wanders off. She enters a fun house uh, where she encounters Uh, her twin or a doppelganger another little girl who looks just like her it's a very disturbing and haunting moment and we suddenly flash forward to adelaide uh now an adult played by lupita nyung oh and she and her husband gabe and their two children are spending time at a, a summer house and her husband has made plans to meet some of their friends at the santa cruz beach right next to the fun house where she had the most traumatic experience of her life. Maybe, maybe, uh, an odd choice. And, uh, she shares with him this traumatic moment, uh, after she agrees to spend the day there. And, uh, that night, a strange family of four approaches their summer home and breaks into the home. Now these, these intruders, uh, we, we are quick to learn and the Wilsons are quick to learn that these are doppelgangers of themselves. So Adelaide's double, whom she met as a child, is joined by a double or doppelganger for her husband and each of her two children. And this creepy foursome makes it clear right from the get-go that they are here to f*** <laughs> up. They yeah. are not here to play nice. No, we're not, they we're not are having not a conversation. They are not here to coexist. Right, right. Yeah. Well, this is not cohabitation. <laughs> this is you are done, it's our turn. Yes. And things get creepy and violent pretty pretty fast. Yeah. Uh, Gabe, the dad, he uh, he takes his doppelganger uh, outside and they, they tussle and end up fighting and, and violence ensues. The young daughter gets chased by hers. The young boy gets locked in a closet for some reason with his it's just generally creepy from here on out yeah uh ultimately the wilson family works to vanquish their doppelgangers only to learn that just about everybody's got a doppelganger these days and all of these murderous doppelgangers have risen from their underground dwelling like the chuds that they are to murder their surface dwelling counterparts and then reenact hands across america not only to murder us all, but to rub on our fat, ugly, free faces that they're able to do what our 1980s predecessors were unable to do. <laughs> there you go. Our, and that's us. That's, that's a great, what did you think of the movie? A great recap. I really enjoyed the movie a, a lot. Um, you know, I, I read some uh, press uh, prior to seeing it, even that week, uh, that... This was like a spill your soda scary horror movie. And having see- sat through it, I wouldn't describe it that way at all. I, I think that no. I think that it was actually really funny in a lot of parts. Very similar to Get Out, 
Um, and, and Jordan Peele had even said ahead of time that he was kind of upset and and just kind of annoyed by by the fact that people didn't get what genre Get Out was supposed to be. And even like the studio had submitted the movie right. as a comedy in one of the awards Gold settings. Or, right? or yeah, whatever, whatever yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. They submitted it as a... As a comedy, and that, that bothered him because he did not consider it to be that way. And so he said, this time, I'm not going funny at all. I'm going straight horror. But I thought there were actually some really great comedic moments in the movie as well. And I think that just like in Get Out, he also really uses pop music very well. And and that sure. was apparent here. Uh, so I, I really, really enjoyed it as as a almost sort of companion piece to get out oh, just wow. a, a a scary disturbing psychological thriller that is that, that'll get you like actually laughing out loud a, a dozen times as well how about you i really wanted to like this movie and i think for me it's a bit of a fail and it's um We'll talk much about it, but the, and much has already been written about all the symbolism and yeah. all the subtext and all the cultural commentary and all the the meta discussion on race and poverty and everything else packed into this movie. And to me, it just feels like it – I think it buckled under the weight of all that extra stuff. And I felt like the first – 40-ish percent of the movie was very creepy and I really was enjoying it and then it just like a switch got flipped and I didn't find it frightening at all Mm. for the latter 60% Okay, and I just felt like it just was kind of preaching pretty loudly and not really succeeding as a horror movie or a commentary so like I felt like there was it was really ambitious and to me it just it just fell far short but I, I totally respect the effort, and I think the cast was great, and again, the, the music is really good, and there's, there's a lot of cool ideas here, but not nearly as good as Get Out, for okay. my money. So I, I agree, the cast is great, I think that the music is great, and I think that your point is, is really well taken. I, I, sometimes I worry about the, the critical acclaim handed to a movie before it's gone wide, you know, you've just got critics that have seen it at screeners and at festivals that heap their praise upon a movie and and almost do it a disservice to that extent. I feel like if this were a movie that had not been made by Jordan Peele and had been made by insert random director whose name you don't know, we might be saying something a little bit different about it right now because it we just would have appreciated it for for what it was. To, to that extent, though, I really do like looking for the Easter eggs and the hidden meanings in different things that are happening throughout the movie. The Bible verses, the, the T-shirts that people are wearing, uh, stuff that appears randomly throughout. I really like that, and he does a lot yeah. of that, which a I find really it. fun. Yeah, I, I, think that, I think that's cool. And, and because this isn't a... a a Marvel property, a comic book movie, uh, uh, something, a, a universe that I'm unaware of. This is just something new to everybody. I can actually pick up on those things a little bit better than I would were sure. this a Star Wars franchise film. So I, I like that, and and it kind of allows me uh, as to, to be able to experience that where I won't in a, a Captain Marvel movie. And and Jordan Peele again, he he clearly. 
um, has built this film with care. He's planted a lot of those Easter eggs or visual references. You know, the Bible verse eleven eleven. There's not just eleven eleven, but even you know four figures standing right. sticks straight to yeah. look like the numbers eleven eleven, and all sorts of representations and and sort of. Um, callbacks and echoes that are are visually done it's 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 well done it just just felt like a lot to me and you know this movie has two of the scariest things i think that can happen not just in a movie but in real life one is kids wandering off yes Yes. so the opening scene is a kid wandering off at, at the santa cruz like fair at the at the beach which is terrifying to me as a parent right. and and as a child, and then a home invasion. Yeah, you know that that where you feel like you should be safe and sound and tucked in and whatever, and the unnatural comes in and and enforces itself or or uh, uh, pushes itself on you is very very scary. And I found the first part with her wandering off to be very unsettling and scary, but. The home invasion, I actually wrote in my notes, I just wrote, this should be scarier. Like, like logically, I should be terrified. I should be crawling out of my seat. And it just wasn't. And as mm. soon as they showed up and sort of announced who they were, I felt like the others, the the doppelgangers, just lost all their creepiness. Oh, interesting. And then, and especially once they went to their, their friend's house and found that they also had doppelgangers. Right, right. I was like, oh, I guess it's a whole. I guess we all have a doppelganger. It's, a it's like a big, like, like suddenly it was just like, oh, this is just not at all scary. It just seemed dumb. Oh, when well, it was one family, for some reason it was terrifying. But once it was like, oh, we all have one. Yeah. Oh, never mind. It feels like a bad Twilight Zone episode. Well, it, this is based on a Twilight Zone episode. So I, I, in doing a little bit of research, and now Jordan Peele is actually producing a reboot of a the reboot Twilight of, Zone. Right. Right. <laughs> so, but he. And a lot of the criticism I've read about this and Get Out is that, you know, we're heaping a lot of praise onto a really funny guy who's probably extremely talented. However, to keep crediting him with coming up with original ideas is a tad disingenuous. And this one was based on a Twilight Zone episode, um, which he's acknowledged, but it, you know sure. th- that's neither here nor there. I I found the home invasion scene actually pretty creepy. I think when the the two kids like scoot away from the parents in the driveway as they're standing there, that that kind of sent chills down my spine. I think yeah. I think another thing, another interesting thing about seeing um seeing any movie, we've talked about this several times in the past, is the environment that you're in. When you're seeing it. And so I was seeing this as as a pre-screen to a completely packed theater, right? I mean, uh, every single row, every single seat was occupied in the theater. And so there's a lot of screaming and a lot of laughing. And even in the scary parts, people are laughing because they were scared, you know, scared silly. And I think sure. that, that really does affect how you watch it. I feel like had I been watching this movie by myself... In an empty house on Halloween, I'd have been more creeped out by it than I was in the theater with hundreds of other people who were kind of laughing at it. But, but, but I did. It's 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 funny that you bring up the, that, and I know we talk about it a fair amount. I will admit that I saw this with the loudest, worst, and most obnoxious <laughs> crowd, and not that it was 
packed and raucous. I mean, these were just people who were like blatantly chatting with one another and like looking <laughs> up on their phones, uh. and it it just they like whisper like across two or three people like what just happened and then they explain what just happened for like <laughs> two minutes straight while something else is happening and we're all trying so it was very distracting and it was kind of a miserable movie going oh, experience that's, that's unfortunate it, it, it was for me the kind of experience like theater owners pray you don't have yeah. because they're having enough trouble getting butts in the seats right right and it's completely the reason why we had all just rather watch movies at home sure so that I'm sure colored it a little bit, but it wasn't scary. But I just – I really wanted to be scared. I yeah. wanted the creepiness yeah. to really seep in and the the trailer was so disturbing yeah. and I was so ready to just be like on edge the whole time and I just never got there. Okay. Oh, that's, it's it's too bad. I We've talked about this before. I, I think that the – the setting you're in can certainly shed light on how you feel about a film. I, I actually sort of also appreciate it. I mean, I don't know if I'm interpreting it totally correctly, but the the deeper message that I'm taking away from the Jordan Peele horror film, and, and Get Out certainly had one as well, is is kind of that the basically the socioeconomic standing that you're born into is going to determine how you live your life. And, and you know, based on the plot recap you gave, I think people can interpret what they want from that. But I think that I think that, that was the takeaway for me. I don't think he does... He doesn't just do horror for horror's sake. It's not a, a right. gore fest for, for fun. I think no, there's, there's no. a message behind what he's trying to send. And to me, that was the message, is that there's there's people that are, are born into privilege and there's people that are, are not... And uh, that's going to have a lot of bearing on on the way you live your life and the experience that you have. This movie includes one person who's kind of able to overcome that, but uh, right. I, I liked that. I, I thought I thought it was just a good message. A little bit, it delivered a little bit more subtle, and and I appreciated it. I do agree. I appreciate that there is more that more to this and more to get out than just straight up horror or you know, some of the bloodbath, torture porn, gore fest type horror. So I definitely appreciate that. I just felt like there wasn't much subtlety uh, by the end. And I just felt like the explanation was so bonkers poor that it was like, really? This is the big explanation? That there's just happened to be these giant underground tunnels all over the country where we all have a doppelganger that was, what, genetically bred by the government, but... It's attached to us or tethered to us, but it's soulless. And as we have kids, they our also doppelgangers <laughs> have doppelgangers of our kids. Right. And they are forever forced to just mimic our movements beneath the ground until one day one of them decides not to. But then that one person can coordinate a nationwide murderous <laughs> attack with where they're all in jumpsuits carrying scissors. I mean, it just was like, what? It, like it just went so far beyond anything that you either got to explain it or don't explain it. But this one chose to explain it. And I felt like the explanation sucked and that, that sucks. I, I'm with you on that. I, I think he got really M night Shyamalan on us at the end. Yes. The final 15 yeah. minutes were, Oh, the were, last one minute for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, 
that was a, a little bit, it, it, not a little bit, that, that was a lot frustrating. And I also disliked, um, I don't remember the last name of the family, but the Elizabeth Moss family, the their white friends yeah. who, of yep. course, are have the nicer house and are, uh, you There's know. Bigger douchebags. Total douchebags. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, just like, really, do we... Do we need do we need to be pounding our fist on the table on on this one again? Like, like oh, you don't like having a mirror held up to you, do <laughs> like, you? Like clearly, clearly the Wilsons were a well-to-do family as well. They've got a a beach house. They've got you know they, they, they they've got a boat. They've got this other stuff. But no, we need. We we need to really wag our finger at the white douchebags in the movie. Like that that was that they was, were total douchebags. In fact, I actually wrote down that they were like the a holes from Saturday Night Live. <laughs> two, Jason two Sudeikis he's souls just, yeah. trying to in yeah. a crime scene. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, I mean they were just they were just abhorrent. There was just nothing. Nothing about nothing any of to them. them no. the, the, their kids sucked. They, the wife and, and husband sucked. And I couldn't figure out why they were friends with the Wilsons. Yeah. What, what did they so have just in was, common? They yeah. were just awful, horrible white people to share the screen with Lupita <laughs> Young Owen and the rest of her family. Who, by the way, Lupita does a, an amazing job in this movie. She She plays two roles, as does everybody, really. But both she and her doppelganger i thought were very well done yeah acting was good the physicality was pretty amazing the different voice the different movement um and both characters end up being mostly well-rounded yeah as opposed to everybody else's doppelganger is just sort of like a moaning mindless shell right right and so there's just a little less maybe it's a less impressive yeah, yeah, to, to have no, them play good. two roles, but yeah. Lupita does an awesome job. I thought she was great. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Elizabeth Moss's gurgling when she's getting murdered was totally awful. I why, I why was, was she in this movie? Uh, why was she in this movie? I th- like, t- I I don't know. I mean, you've got Oscar winner Lupita Nyong'o in the movie. I don't know that we need Elizabeth Moss in there for added right. star power heft. I I'm not a fan of hers, and the sound of somebody's like blood gurgling in their throat as they're being murdered to me is the worst noise ever i was i was just cringing in my seat for a good solid five minutes during that scene yeah it was kind of nasty i i also just so i was dissatisfied with the big reveal and the twist and the ending i also was just really disappointed with the decade-long planning that these tethered murderers went through to emerge at the right moment all in the same time and day and kill us all and then just to stand and do hands across America. <laughs> well, Seemingly forever because it's hours later at the end of the yeah. movie and the Wilsons are driving and there are people still just standing there like this was the whole plan? Right. I mean, you've been living underground tethered to somebody for your whole life and you finally get freedom and you murder them and then just stand there. So what's up with that? Was was Hands Across America a real thing? Like I, I remember hearing this phrase growing up. Did this ever actually happen? Was this a 
Was this a thing? It was thing an attempt. Th- yeah, it was a thing. And it was an attempt to raise awareness about poverty. And, oh, okay. and my understanding is that funds were raised, but a lot of people actually, they made pledges, but didn't pay them. Oh, dear. And there were a lot of fixed costs. So I don't think really any money was raised. I okay. think it was like a big to do. It was like the live, like, live aid. Like, where- like we are the world, <laughs> you know, like, but celebrities rallied to the cause and then just. Nothing happened. It's interesting. Yeah. And poverty was solved in 1986. (laughs) I mean, I was scratching my head about the whole thing, too, because I felt like, well, if if her doppelganger actually escaped, like what 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 exactly was the hands across America supposed to do? Like, I know she had the T-shirt and that was kind of what it triggered the need to do this. It was all very confusing to me. And what's up with the shears? Could they come up with no better method of killing their doppelgangers why do they have scissors i didn't get that either because it's a very creepy way to get murdered i guess and it's very creepy on the poster and again when it was one family from the trailer or in the first family being attacked by someone with scissors i thought is terrifying once you get to hundreds of millions of doppelgangers all with a pair of shears it's like now wait a second (laughs) we we can figure this out no statisticians notice the giant spike in red jumpsuit and sheer sales. Come on. What's up with the kid with Adelaide at the beginning going to the the Santa Cruz uh, beach with her parents for her birthday and buying a candy apple only to drop it in the frickin' sand without a single bite. That, I was so mad. That's the kind of thing you shoot like, a kid for, yes. I was like, you gotta be kidding me. I probably just spent six bucks on this stupid candy apple that's either gonna be stuck all over their clothes or not even a bite, and it's in the gr- in the dirt. I was like, oh my god. I almost just walked out of the theater. It's, I was so mad. It's the Mickey Mouse balloon inside the other balloon that costs $18 that they instantly let go of. Like, right. oh, that is, that's freaking fantastic. You mentioned earlier uh, Lupita Nyong'o's <laughs> voice. I found her doppelganger, or it was actually the non-doppelganger, is the actual true Adelaide's voice, weird. Like, why does she have that kind of raspy whisper thing going on if, if she wasn't even the shadow she wasn't the doppelganger. My, my reading and somewhat ill-advised preparation told me that she chose that because she felt that her character had not used her voice since no one else none of the oh, other tethered could speak okay it was just like she was almost hoarse from decades of of uh of lack of use interesting what's I'll up with that. What's up with the moment where she's at her beach house and she's laying on the couch and she looks over and they have like a big fake plastic spider and then a huge freaking spider walks by. And she does nothing. And she she does nothing. (laughs) No human anywhere sees a spider that big in their home. Right. And just casually just just lets it walk by. You jump up. You run from the room. Maybe you come in with like a boot like your hand in the boot and you just start smashing your own coffee table all over. What's up with the parents letting their son wear a Chewbacca mask at all times, even at the beach? Yeah. Even if your kid was kind of like kind of an odd duck and liked to wear a Chewbacca mask on top of his head, not on his face, but just sort of like as a cap. You you cap it somewhere. You you got to say, okay, hey, we're, we're getting out of the car here at the beach. 
Let's uh, let's uh, make sure everyone's got sunscreen. Let's make sure we got water bottles. Let's no. lose the lose the Chewbacca mask. Come on, pal. Let's. I, I had, let's I, had this, in the car. I had to several times make sure that my son knew he was not allowed to wear his hood any longer at Disneyland this weekend. So I would not right, be right. cool with a freaking no, Chewbacca mask. No, no parent. No, is just, no. Just like whatever. He loves his Chewbacca mask. He wears it as like a beanie. <laughs> What's up with Adelaide being handcuffed to a coffee table that she is unable to move? She's yeah. a strong adult human. Yeah. This is a coffee table. Right. And yet it's like it's like made of like five hundred tons of concrete. <laughs> you you'd think you could, later she You could lift you that, she could it. just lift that thing up and carry it around if she really needed right. to get right. somewhere. Especially yeah. just to get to like the fireplace right. when she's reaching for her, right. her weapon. It's like because right. Once she gets the poker, she can instantly use it as a lever and, like, crack through the four-inch timbers that's made out of. No problem. <laughs> right, right. Like, it's made of balsa wood, apparently, <laughs> but you cannot lift it. <laughs> What's up with – how did how did the dad – how did um, the Mr. Wilson – how did he kill his other – I thought that I thought that his, his doppelganger got – Flung from his uh, speedboat or whatever that he the just boat, purchased, yeah. and then ground up in the engine. Like I, I think the propellers oh, just a got propeller. him. Yeah. Okay. Which, which the I people say- sitting next to me talked about this at length, <laughs> and they couldn't figure it out. There was a lot. No, of I, I'm pretty forth. sure he just got ground up in the the motor of the boat. But I got to say that I liked that about the movie that the bad guys were killable. This wasn't like a Halloween or a Friday the 13th where you can be flung, you know, 30 stories off of a building and then just walk right. off and continue to stalk another victim. I liked that the the bad guys were mortal in the movie and that sure. you, you actually could kill them. I, I, I thought that was, a, that was another redeeming quality about it. But are you ready for five questions? I think... After 249 prior episodes... We're, we're there. Yes. Yeah, we're there. Yes, All right. I've, I've finally come to grips with the fact that you'll ask me five questions. Five, five listener-submitted questions for Jordan Peele's Us. Question number one. The government shut down the tether experiment, so how did the doppelgangers stay alive? Uh, I think we're meant to believe that they bred and ate rabbits. Yeah. Uh, uh, there but were clearly a lot of rabbits down there. There are a lot of questions that you, you can't pull on that string because it's, what did they use for toilet paper? Right. How did they change clothes as they grew for decades? Sure. What did they do with their dead? Right. Do people just get ground up and eaten? Did they just get flushed away? So there's just no satisfying answers when you ask any of those questions. You just have to accept creepy doppelgangers live beneath us. And then at one point, they will rise up and murder us all. Then you're not going to like this next question, which is... Oh, good. What's the deal with the rabbits here? Uh, it's twofold. One, it is to, I think, again, represent that it was a proposed food source for the tethered. But also it's to represent the fear of the haves that the have-nots in society will breed like rabbits. Ooh, interesting. I like that. Subtext. Yeah, subtext. Uh, speaking of subtext, question number three. Jordan Peele has said, this movie is about all that we tuck down into the recesses of our society and fail to acknowledge. All of those that suffer on the other side of the privileges we have. In many ways, as you know from Get Out, I feel that applies to the prison industrial system. 
Privilege happens in so many different ways, and there's so many ways to analyze it. It's something that can be looked at through many different lenses itself. Can you please explain this through two of those many lenses? How about the Instagram lens of Jordan <laughs> Peele and Lupita Nyong'o and Winston Duke the, op- the weekend that this opened on their private jet as they were being flown from premiere to premiere? I think, I think that's kind of a tough, really- tough photo to... <laughs> To Instagram out when you're trying to make a bold statement about privilege while you're flying on a private jet. Uh, That's awesome. So, I mean, again, I I hear what he's saying, but it's so heavy-handed. I mean, at one point, Adelaide asks Red, like, who are you? Who who are these doppelgangers? And they say, we're Americans. I mean, they're... That's pretty heavy-handed. That's a little bit heavy-handed, yes, which leads us into our next question, number four. Who will be the first film critic to dislike a Jordan Peele film and commit career suicide by questioning this director's commentary on race and politics? Not me. I loved it. A+. Uh, Fantastic. And final question, what would you like to see Jordan Peele tackle next? Uh, I really, I mean, I'll see anything he puts out because I, I do think he's daring. I think he's bold. I think he, he pays a lot of attention to the small things. You mentioned all those Easter eggs and all the subtext. I just feel like he's, he's trying really hard, um, to make a movie more than just a horror movie. And he could make a hell of a horror movie if he just sort of let himself just have a good time yeah. and, and entertain us. So uh, I'll see anything he puts out. I think he's a, a really, really interesting filmmaker. So, all right. Whatever he does next. Yeah. Excellent. Well, I, I think that uh, that sums it up. What do we have coming up next? Well, coming up next, we've got a remake of a beloved Disney animated film directed by another visionary filmmaker whose filmography is full of very high highs and exceptionally low lows, we'll be seeing Tim Burton's live-action adaptation of Dumbo. Thanks for listening to the Spoiler Alert podcast. Please visit us online at movieoutsiders.com, where you can see what films we'll be discussing next, comment on our recent episodes, suggest movies to review or topics to discuss, or submit questions for the five questions segment of the podcast. Stop by and visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash movieoutsiders, and be sure to follow us on Twitter at movieoutsiders. If you're a fan of the show, we'd really appreciate you leaving a review on iTunes, Overcast, Stitcher, or whatever podcast subscription service you use. We'll be back again next week with another episode, but until then, enjoy the movies.